insert your own theme tune here. Don't. Hello, this is Nick Doody. And this is Kerry Marks. Welcome to Citizens of Nowhere. Wow, it's gone spookier. Um, if you're listening for the first time, uh, Nick always says, insert your own theme tune here. And um, then I always make fun of him for it. But this time I just said don't. Yeah, which I think... I've, I've run out of ways of making fun of it, really. I think it's one of the most efficient, business-like openings we've had here. I think we'll ruin it when we do actually have a theme tune, which we will have at some <laughs> point. Next time. Yeah, or we get enough talented listeners that every single episode has a different theme tune inserted by someone else. I like it. I think every guest has to come up with their own theme tune as well. Cool. Citizens of nowhere. Yeah, because we've had guests now. This is our first non-guest episode in a while. Sod the guests. No, we've had, it's been nice having guests. They've been, um, they've been uh, very varied, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I think that's, that was quite interesting hearing. And it, largely, we made the decision to, well, uh, to let them varied? talk as much as possible. I don't um, think any of them weren't comedians. No, I don't mean in the fact they're all from different businesses and so on, but right. I mean what they have to say and their, 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 <coughs> their views and so on, I think were interesting. That's and, true, uh, that's true. Um, and I think represented how... Uh, well, one thing I love about the comedy world is I think there's a lot of... Whether I agree with people or not, there's a lot of thinkers... Yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about uh, what they're because they. Ha- I think you have to think a bit more if you're actually going to talk about something on stage, and also if you're going to go to somewhere like the Edinburgh Festival and you have to present your thoughts to uh, the varied audience. You, you, you know, you you might get an esoteric audience who are into the thing you're into and like your yeah. angle, but nevertheless, you're going to get a lot of people who aren't. That's why one of the reasons I always thought it might be quite good for you or good for me to have a blog or a column where I had to write what I reckon about a thing. Because the last thing you want is someone commenting and going, that's just, that never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that's just a rumour that was made up by, <laughs> by what's-its in the 70s, or some nonsense, you know, whatever you're talking about. Um, I try and keep, if I've got a thing in my set, and I don't want to bother looking it up, which often happens, yeah. I'll keep it general in the presentation anyway. I'll go, uh, oh, there's someone in a pub told me this story, so it's already, it's, it's unarguable. Right. No one can go, that wasn't true. I go, well, it's some bloke in a pub. Huh. I'm not going, this was a fact. Garrett Millerick had a nice thing in his Edinburgh show this year uh, where he, he'd heard a story that he liked so much he refused to look it up. As he's presenting it as, I don't want to live in a world where this isn't true. And it sounds like such an obvious yes, yeah, urban yeah. legend. Yeah. But he's, ba- he's basically, in, a, in a, an amused, perverse way, arguing for fake news. Which <laughs> <laughs> I quite like. Yes. Yes, yeah, it's quite a nice angle, isn't it? Yeah. But I think, if you, I think if you have to back it up, do you know what I mean? Like, if you had to go on Question Time or something, you were, you would suddenly want to make sure you didn't mix up yep. who was who in the government or which faction was which in Syria or well you know whatever was on the news. Oh, I had I had um, a message during the festival to ask um, whether I would appear on Newsnight. I think you might have got the same thing at some point, didn't you? Uh, no, but I was asked if I would pass it on to you. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> About the the. Uh, <laughs> Corbyn anti-Semitism and stuff, and and suddenly it occurred to me it's like in a few hours I've got my show first. I've got he only it was it's just a new news item that had just come out, and yeah, it's so different to commenting on a um, say a podcast or something because I'm yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah. aware I don't want to talk to millions of people and state that without watching the thing and without knowing some history to it and so on. Um, I want to get all my facts right. Well, do you remember? Um, but you know what? Sorry, before we say, I just got to realise though that's something I always thought. You get called on, but now I'm realising people stick to their facts. 
they, they, they come up with a fact, and this is what I'm seeing all the time now, people just come up with a fact that's, that's clearly wrong, and it, this is going all over the place, all over social media. They stick on their fact, and then people who agree with them back them up, and actually, you don't need to get the facts correct anymore. No, I'd say increasingly you don't, because your tribe will defend... You know, look, I know he said a million people died in the Holocaust, but he just wanted to focus on that million. Yeah, He's yeah, not saying yeah. another five, <laughs> Um, There's such a thing as a relevant million. Yeah. Just, I can't tell you, what, are you saying a million people didn't die? <laughs> and suddenly, you know, people close ranks behind their tribe. And I, I was putting in mind of um, what Aisha Hazarika said when, she, when we, she was our guest about how much they want a confrontational format when they bring you on something like Newsnight. Because yeah. do you remember I did Newsnight? Yeah. Years ago, I was brought on because Robin Ince couldn't do it. Um, and they just wanted... They wanted a comedian, someone who's a professional comedian, to talk about uh, what was then called Saxgate, which That's was right. the Jonathan Ross, uh, Russell Brand uh, radio crank phone call to Andrew Sachs. And they had me on and a bloke who essentially wants to close down the BBC. <laughs> 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 and what's funny is I later then went on a radio show and they went, and oh, we've got another caller, and it was the same bloke. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also what's going on a lot, you know. I think there's a, 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 a probably we if we actually sort of uh, cross check them all, we'd find that there's quite a small number of trolls who are doing a hell of a lot of talking. Well, I, no, he'd been invited. He wasn't trolling. He would, just no, no. But I mean, with all the change, I think we're hearing that there's a few voices that get on everything. But that, at that point, I started thinking: Is this like the bizarro Nick Doody? <laughs> this is the opposite of me that has to be on whenever I'm on the BBC. <laughs> but then, this is how little they give a shit. About a month later, Jonathan Ross was up for some... And I, I'd, I'd been on sort of essentially defending it as it's a thing that was quite funny and basically isn't worthy of being discussed at the level of government. The Prime mm -hmm. Minister shouldn't be talking about Russell Brand and we shouldn't be closing down the BBC or ending the licence fee over a thing like this, right? Yeah. That was roughly my position. And then they called me and uh, this guy who I think had had me on an, an, an earlier show... Hi there, is that Nick? Good. Um, Jonathan Ross is uh, he's up for getting a BAFTA and we wondered would you come on the show and attack him? <laughs> I don't know, yes, but that's the opposite position to the one that's <laughs> That's how little they give a shit. They go, Here's the list. <laughs> Just mould you into whatever they <laughs> yeah, need. Exactly. Now. <laughs> Can you wear this monster face and yeah. just come out and growl? Yeah, strange, isn't it? Um how did you find Edinburgh overall this year? I found it slightly challenging from the point of view of the room I was in. I, I got a lovely sort of four-star review that spent half the review going on about how unplayable my room was <laughs> and how, <laughs> how brave I was for doing a show in it. <laughs> it was cavernous, wasn't it, your room? Yeah, it was. And do you know what? Cause I've just and with a balcony as well that you didn't need as well. I very much didn't need it. Yeah. Uh, but, no one um, needs it. I've just, I've just started uh, the tour with Dave Gorman. So I'm using the same keyboard to play on right. and singing two of the same songs. And I don't normally do songs anyway, it's a bit weird for me. Um, but now, having a tour manager who's used to touring with bands and musicians and gives a shit about how things sound, and having professional sound technicians, I suddenly realised, my keyboard's amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I can kind of hold a tune! <laughs> just, just, like, how I sound <laughs> properly... It's just, unfair, isn't it, that Edinburgh doesn't represent the best of it? Actually, we're always yeah. having to uh, 
fold uh, and and alter what we do to fit a room, to fit noise, and to fit something else going on in the heat of a room. Uh, the, the factors of Edinburgh, and also the the way the room feels and changes every night, depending on how, how many you have. In it. With, with small audiences, we're kind of slave to them. They have a, a bit more control over atmosphere than a large audience would do. Yeah. Right. So I've been doing some of the material for the show, which. I never tried out in stand-up. I've been doing it at the comedy store over the last couple of days okay. and realised it's much stronger than I thought it was for doing with small audiences. That is where... also what I've found. Right, okay. Isn't it, isn't it great, that? It is it's disappointing because you want it to be the other way around. You want to go, well, it works quite well on the circuit, but then when you do it in your hour show, it should be far more uh, effective and solid. But in actual fact, because the audience changes one night, you've got a tiny <laughs> crowd, uh, a Tuesday crowd, a Monday crowd. Some nights in Edinburgh, every comedian's complaining that the audience was flat tonight. You know, right. this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you get this, and you go. Everyone's coming out, going. I don't know what happened tonight. It's, and it seems to be on the same days as well. Yeah, and then you, yes, and you think you'll get home and just find it's been drizzling since noon, and someone everyone liked has died. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And often, someone will say to you after the festival, oh, "I saw your show up at Edinburgh," and you don't know what to take from that because, yeah. um, like, if you've only done one show and someone says that was great, and you think actually it wasn't that good tonight you yeah. know then you know that they're or you think they're exaggerating or they're not they didn't or maybe they thought it was great but you know it wasn't in your heart right or the other times you would say uh, you know I thought it was good and so on it was quite good or I enjoyed it and you think no you just watched that show I've just come out of there I know that was a that was a really good reaction tonight it's solid yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're undermining how, how well it went but when they say it about so they saw one night at the festival I've got no idea they might have seen one of the ones that was a bit shit or one of the ones where, which was a storming, you know, cheers on everything and lots of applauses. That's, yeah, that's funny. That's that's the thing we don't get uh, the rest of the year is an audience who has been to see six comedy shows before this year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and six hours of comedy. So as well. when I mean when they say I I saw your show in Edinburgh, that that that's somewhere on a spectrum in their head between the worst shit they saw and the most amazing shit they saw, or it might yeah. it might be at either end. Yeah, but that's that's also not how people take you know, the rest of the year. You know what I mean? The rest of the year, people go, "Oh yeah, I saw the comedy store that night." Uh, it was one of the uh, four hundred shows I see a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were there any main subjects uh, you felt were in Edinburgh this year? Generally, what from the other things I saw? Yeah, from uh, you know themes. Uh, <sighs> Edinburgh normally develops into certain. I know. Themes, so. Yeah, well, me too, a little bit. There was a lot of, I thought, mental illness, which has been popular for a while. <laughs> That's a great phrase. Yeah. People people have really been into mental illness for a bit, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have, I mean, as a subject matter. Laura Lex's show was great on that. Yeah, Laura, Laura's really show, well what, what weirdly was talking about today, because I recommended it to a few people. And, um, well, then, they, now, go, then now, they go up to Edinburgh and <laughs> see the show that's finished. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I recommended it yesterday. That, oh, you really must go back to August. And, um, <laughs> I think she's doing... Soho or somewhere, isn't she? Or right. Oh, that's cool because they live in London. But um, I now feel I can tell people stuff about the show that I wouldn't have wanted to ruin it. Right. In Edinburgh, because you can tell someone I really like this show, and then absolutely fuck it up for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. with a film, you know. And I like I've got an agreement with uh, various friends. If you really like a film, tell everyone it's worth seeing. Yes. And go any further than that, you are slightly shitting on that film for them. Yes. Yeah, I can get put off films by yeah, too just, much in advance. But I think that there was that, there was, and you're right, Me Too was also quite big on subject matter this year. I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah. I knew it would be, but, um, and I, I, knew, I didn't see that many shows this year, so I didn't hear, I heard a number of shows were covering it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it, sound, it sounded like Aisha's was. We didn't get to catch it, but it sounded yeah. like she was talking about that a bit. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Sloss's show. Yeah, which did. we did see, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a really interesting show. Um, and to an extent, Garrett Millerich's show covered it. Right, he was on the same time as me, so I didn't get to see him. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. It was a really good show, and it's covered from um, a completely different angle. So right. he, do, he doesn't really talk about Me Too, he just sort of does. Okay. He talks about people attacking him. When, it's, I, I don't know, again, spoiler alert, I don't want to ruin it in case he's running it somewhere else, but something really awful has happened to him, and he's just having a cigarette by a bin. Oh, crying. yeah, I've heard this piece, yeah, yeah. And somebody tries to talk to him about feminism in some slightly inaccurate way, or whatever it is, and, and he sort of goes, well, you know. I'm not sure if that's the only way to look at it, but I just really would rather not talk about it. And they go, oh, I'm sorry, would the man not care to talk about it? That's, and just the thing, as an audience, what you know is going on with him right yes. now. You know, but he, and he, to his credit in life, Are you saying not even for time and place for feminism? <laughs> no, no, he, what, what, but what he does is everyone goes, oh my God, you could destroy this person if they knew what they've just blundered into. Yeah. And he absolutely refuses to because why should he play victim top trumps? Yes. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that was a, just a really nice story. Not even a, It's not like there's an amazing joke. It's just, he just says, I'm not fucking playing this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. So that was a good show. Anything else? Do you see anything else that really uh, blew you away? Ah, uh, David Kreis' show, which you saw <laughs> as well. I also saw David um, Kreis. Not sure what to say about that. I really enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. I cried laughing through great big chunks of it. Yeah. I brought my uh, youngest brother to see it as well. And we had the odd look at each other, but we were both... Oh, you watched it twice? No, no, oh, no, he, no. He, that he, night, he came with us. Sorry, I think we went back. But it, we both were crying laughing at bits of it. But afterwards going, I don't know if I can say it was good. <laughs> but I cried laughing through half of it. No, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really but enjoyed it. But at the same it. time, uh, yeah, it was, it was yeah. really hard to pin down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And also, again, you don't really want to tell anyone too much about it. No, you don't because, want to tell anyone. Yeah. Although I have told people stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you have to. And um, that, that was a recommendation. <coughs> that was a recommendation from Jen Bristol on, on, on this podcast. Was that for Zoe? Said it. Oh, sorry, it was Zoe. Yeah, I think Zoe suggested it. It, yeah. was, it was Zoe. Did Jen recommend That reads back. So now I've just confused the two lesbians that we've had enough. That's what Nick does. They're all, the only they're, two they're all sh- one lesbian the only two short haired women that we've had <laughs> I don't know how after the Edinburgh Festival I felt about I my show I took out um, uh, a fair bit of substance on issues you know I had a load of Me Too stuff which, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I dumped before the festival I just didn't think it was um, first of all I didn't think it was worth it and secondly I felt that I can't get away from being a white male saying stuff in some people's eyes no matter what I do and I, 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 to, I either have to commit to it. that, I either have to commit to that and go, oh, fuck it, I don't care what you think, which I don't, but I do. Right. Okay. I had, a, yeah, I, I had a bit that I also dropped, two, two bits actually. One was about having quit drinking, and the other was about, um, it wasn't just about Me Too, because it was about, it was about Louis C.K., but also about uh, Roseanne Barr. Right. And how, because a lot of the show was about me being quite low in disgust. Yeah. You know, I'm not easy to disgust, as we've discussed. Um, but that slightly means that things aren't contaminated in my head so much. Are you saying so, that Roseanne Barr, Roseanne Barr doesn't disgust you? She doesn't disgust me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, racism is a terrible thing, 
but it doesn't mean and this was my argument when, right. you know, my quote unquote argument in the show was <coughs> uh, Louis C.K. did a terrible thing Roseanne Bale did a terrible thing all of their work <clears> is you know still up for grabs for me as to whether it's great or awful I still really like most of Louis C.K.'s stand up and I really like a lot of Roseanne Bar's sitcom and then not the fact that I now know one's a flasher and one's a racist doesn't have any impact for me on whether I can enjoy those things but I know it does for other people and that's what, and then I got into a thing about how I've that's by the way it's, it's, I don't know what, to me that's just like wonderfully honest and that's how I feel as well it's like I feel like I'm supposed to be disgusted by things mm. because it'll make other people more comfortable and why yeah. can't I just be honest and say Louis CK doing a gig doesn't disgust me or, or may, it doesn't make me feel angry and people go well it's because you're not understanding this you're not understanding that it's actually well I'm listening yeah. to you I'm hearing you and you're free to make your arguments but no I don't think that is the same thing and to, no matter what you're saying if this is how I feel right now I should be able to say it and, the and how th- I feel is not disgusted that's just a fact yes and it's not because you don't get it it's because you and the person you're talking to are not wired the same yeah that's the thing I do I, I do get like since I saw the Jimmy Savile documentary, right? I understand why they do not show Jimmy Savile old top of the pops now. It's because there are people whose lives were fucking devastated yeah, by course, that man yeah. who might be watching TV. Right. I I don't think the Louis C.K. thing's in the same You don't think it is. Ballpark, right? Do you not know it is. Of course I know it's not. And I don't, also Roseanne Barr being a racist in real life. Yeah. But she's not. She didn't tie someone to a post and whip them. She didn't own slaves who this now have thing, to watch her TV show. This isn't forgiving their behaviour. No, it's still going. How far does that behaviour go, and what what level of punishment, and so on? But also, watching uh, Woody Allen, even if he was guilty of everything accused, it still doesn't affect whether I think the joke's funny and and whether yeah, I think his which is which is dubious. Well. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. You, Michael you cannot... Jackson as well. I, 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 don't, I, I think he's, he's a musical genius and uh, I, I don't think that changes based on any other behaviour. No, it doesn't. I think, weirdly, Michael Jackson has the thing of being so good at music that people sort of overlook the kid thing. A little bit. Is that yeah. a genius? Because, right, Kathy Griffin, amongst loads of other people, had a big uh, Twitter outburst this week when it turned out Louis C.K. had come back and done a gig. Like, not not a, not a Netflix special. He's not produced a new series of his yeah. sitcom. He came back and did a drop-in spot at the Comedy Cellar in New York. Reportedly got a standing ovation. I haven't seen any footage. I don't know if any exists. Uh, I don't know what he talked about. I heard it was general. I don't know what the subjects were. Kind of, I, don't, I don't think he was talking about the meter or about the accusations. About his own stuff. I okay. think he just came on and talked about table lamps or whatever it was. And, and a lot of people going, well, you know, it's not been long enough. This is a disgrace. But Kathy, which you can argue, but Kathy Griffin in particular was saying, it just disgusts me that, look, it's, 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 the, the, it's the men's club, specifically the white men's club. And I'm reading this going, it's not that. It's that he was the best comedian in the world. That's people are gonna want to hear what the best comedian in the world has to say about something really kind of quickly, yeah. even when he's the perpetrator of the of the issue. The, I, I, and and for, oh, sorry, just to finish the thought, since we mentioned Michael Jackson, I basically thought it's not. It, I know he was getting whiter, but it's not because he's in the white men's club, is it? <laughs> it's because he was the best musician in the world. Right? He might have fiddled with kids, and he still made more albums than millions of people bought. Yes. Because the art's so good, it's not. It's not due to him belonging to some privileged group of people. I'm well, you know, rich men, I suppose. But 
is a rich man because of the other thing, not the other way around. I've hesitated with with a whole lot of these moral issues because as white male we, we get put into the privileged camp and we're told that the reason why we think that is because we're privileged in the first place. You know? Right, okay. But I've started coming down some of the the, the white male narrative recently. I'm just going, I've, I've, I've had enough of it. Do you know, I've had enough of when I'm constantly seeing tweets telling me how I think and feel because I'm white male and how I um, how yeah, yeah, easy yeah. my life is because I'm on white male. I'm going, actually, look, it just isn't true. You're the one seeing people in layers. And what, what I have to do now is think to myself, you know, if you're going to say I'm thinking a particular way because I'm privileged, would I say the same thing about people who I know are privileged? Like, I know the elite, you know, people who have loads of money, people who have beautiful genes or whatever, which is also an advantage in life. Right? <coughs> yeah. They go through life beautiful, they have loads of money, they have a mansion house which they're, they're born owning and so on. But I still, whilst I might criticise their privilege and say that might be an unfair thing or that they should be aware of it in certain instances, I wouldn't say it applies to absolutely every instance in their life. And secondly, I don't start saying that they have a mind state, that they have a, that they're, their way that they have, they have I don't know, long, sharp noses and they, they particularly do it and make every decision because they like <laughs> looking down their noses at things. I don't say it's because they have a, uh, a need to own and control or because it's an inner hate and so on. I think this is what's coming out of the identity politics that keeps it being attached to white males is white males think and feel in a particular way and that's being said by people who aren't white males and don't know. Yeah. And well, don't know that. And I'm being fed up with what so my experience is and going, no, actually, I'm beginning to say, no. I'm recognising racism and sexism for what it is even when it's directed at a group that you think is uh, uh has some benefit yeah and, and may, maybe this is my own wiring maybe but um for me racism and sexism aren't necessarily from the from the downtrodden you know um sorry from the privilege to the uh downtrodden they can be the other way around it's just that they're unsound ways of thinking they're they're a form of the form of logical it's a logical fallacy logical because, fallacy the yeah. form of bias that's based on seeing what someone is rather than what they're saying so it's, 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 yes. it's, it's an ad hominem fallacy basically it sort of is but it's basically that I don't think you fight hatred with hatred I don't think you fight prejudice with prejudice and I think if you're saying that um, let, the woman who tweeted uh, during the week, it's one of those rare, I've started answering things. I, ne I, I used to let all this just go by on Twitter, you know. Um, but she tweeted a thing saying how um, uh, older, older male comics who say um, the audience was too PC, you're just showing how old you are and you make yourself seem like 20 years older. And I'm going, all right, that's just pure ages. So what you're complaining about is a group of people who are... Um, categorizing another group of people and the way you're complaining about it is by categorizing that group of people and what i'm seeing now is more and more where people are doing the very thing you know, that kind of hip hypocritical yeah. thinking where they're doing the very thing they're complaining about and i think you recognize racism we recognize hatred and and though the, the, the um the signs of it are all clear no matter what you're talking about i don't think you get to use it on one group or another group saying i'm allowed to use it on that group it's it's hatred full stop that, that's true to some extent. I think there's a there, there's an extra dimension sometimes where a group is, you know, where where pe people are kept out of discussion or out of power because they're members of a group. That so that it has a different effect in that point. You know, people are marginalised. Yeah, totally. But, totally, and then they get to complain. Make, yeah, yeah. They get to complain about the marginalise marginalisation and the advantage of that other group. What they don't get to say is is 
telling that group what their mindset uh, set is and, and because they have um, and it's not even their mindset in making this decision it's their mindset generally they are born with a mindset of owning controlling and so on rather than your group might do exactly the same thing if you had that same position oh when it, if it comes down to that sort of essentialism that like you're born with it then that's just I mean, you, but that's what I think that, that, that mindset can go anywhere from the constant, you know, from the concentration camps to the gulag, right? The moment you go, you are just fundamentally like this, and you can't see it. Okay, and everything you say, that, I that's a that terrifying thing, thing to say about any group. I think that is a major part of the, the present narratives that I'm hearing around. If you take a thing like a simple thing, like take, um, okay, have you ever sat in a a coffee shop on a on a, a freezing cold day and the coffee shop's nice and warm inside and you're having a coffee maybe writing a thing and then someone comes in and leaves the door open and suddenly it's, it's freezing mm. and it's weird because you get up and you close it how do they not know it's cold outside and it's warm in here yeah, yeah, yeah. so you get up and you close the door and then someone else comes in and leaves the door open so you go up and do it again and then someone leaves who should know they, they, they've also been annoyed by right, someone right. doing that then they just leave the door wide open and that kind of selfish behaviour right it's, it's, yeah. people are like that I don't even know loads of different reasons some of them are thoughtless uh, there might be one or two doing it deliberately, but there's loads of different reasons. And all these people are Polish. They're all Polish, yeah. the whole lot of them. That's the point of this podcast now. This is the new change we're having. Is <laughs> we've just become very anti. How did this come about? You are bringing something. <laughs> so okay, you get those people. People listen to their music loudly on the bus. Um, people who yep. shout into their phones. Uh, people who may be doing their makeup whilst whilst driving and uh, creating possible danger on the road. Um, people Pe- who suddenly. People. People doing their makeup while driving. I didn't say women, okay, but I'm, okay. okay. People who um, suddenly stop whilst they're walking, another weird thing, and I don't know, some of them might be out of selfishness, out of no interest whatsoever about the people. And it, you know, a busy Saturday right. afternoon, they, we're in a shopping centre. There's obviously loads of people coming towards you. So weird not to have any awareness. How can you not know there's people behind you when there's people all around you moving fast, right? Yeah, it's like um, the clock in their back has stopped. Right. The, the key in their back, yeah. People who put their bags on the chair next to them, and once again, I'd say that's yeah. probably more women than men because more women than men are likely to have bags and more likely to have expensive bags. So maybe, right? Uh, I've seen both. I've, I've seen that behaviour. No, I've seen that behaviour yeah, from yeah. both. I'm saying it might be more female than male. Okay. People who sit with their legs wide open on a train are almost certainly going to be more male than female. Part of it being that, similarly, more men than women are going to be... All men are going to be wearing trousers and not all women are going to be wearing trousers. And, it's, and it's, I'd say it's a different signal from a man or a woman. <laughs> Uh, it, yes, there is also the body language of a woman facing a man sitting with her legs wide yeah. open, which, but oh, some people say that's, uh, you know, some gender yeah. reinforcement. Well, it's possible that was fine for both sexes until basic instinct ruined it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, if you look at men sitting with their legs wide open on a train, <laughs> really give it a and I do. Come <laughs> onto a train. And you see it within the whole gamut of behavior from humans that is sometimes selfish sometimes thoughtless sometimes controlling of their environment like the person shouting to their phone sometimes they're, they're controlling their environment or they don't care what anyone else thinks yeah if you ignore it all and you only look at men sitting with their legs wide open on a train and then the mistake i get that is beginning to get to me is where people don't say it's annoying that men do it but they do it because they want to control and it's that it's that now that i'm narrowing in on going that's the bit i'm fed up with hearing where people know the mindset of the behaviour that they don't like and it's always aggressive and it ignores all the other behaviour that should make us consider it a bit differently which uh, that's the fundamental attribution bias really right what would that be that that someone does something right it's it's usually 
somebody else rather than you. They do something, and you go, you do that because you're the sort of person who does right, that. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. Like, like, um, but about yourself, you just cut yourself slack every time. You go, no, just my, you know, my legs are apart because my balls are really itchy. Mm-hmm. Or um, I didn't cut you up in traffic because I'm, I'm not that sort of driver. Yes. It's just I'm in a real hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one else is just in a real hurry. You know, Or the person who kicks the vending machine, they're an angry type of person. They just haven't just had a shit day. Yes. Which leads to a lot of hypocrisy. Like, that is hypocrisy, basically. Yeah, it's ignoring yeah. things you do and, and, and getting annoyed with, which is such a common human trait. And there was Asia, I've forgotten her name now, The um, one of the women who started it, or was um, primal, I think, in the uh, start of the Me Too movement. Asia Argento? Is it Argento, I think? I was hesitating to say it because I wasn't quite sure. I think so. Who's now being accused of something herself, and and uh, and there's a number of people defending her saying exactly the same thing as they were complaining about men saying just a few right. months ago, right? And it just seems to me she was she knew she was she was uh giving out money to keep someone hushed at the time during the me too movement give a bit of background to what she's done um it was i believe it was a a child actor well not child as in british sense child i think think under 18 is a child actor in america okay so it was a child actor and i think uh but i think she started a relationship with him um whilst he was a bit younger i'm not quite sure the full details all i know is it, it, it it was when it came up there was an instant defence and and, uh, and other prominent me too suddenly saying hey everyone slow down let's hear the facts right which right. is they're correct yeah that's, they're com- correct. that's completely correct but they weren't saying that before no well, you know. and what I'm seeing is just this hypocrisy of, of people very having very strong opinions not just of other people's behaviour but their motives and the motive not just being theirs but the motive must be all men or all white people or all something and that's a bit now I feel like I'm starting to occasionally just <laughs> clamp down on, on you know on social media and go no look that is just racist it's just sexist yeah the woman who comes out of a show in okay. Edinburgh and says a white man just did a show about me too I don't agree with it and then, then uh, I don't want to hear what white men want to say. A reviewer in Edinburgh told her, told an agent that uh, she, she's not giving any five-star reviews to anything that's male and pale, right? It was a new expression wow. hearing around. Another comic uh, who's uh, gay said that he doesn't want to hear what white men have to say about anything right now. And I'm hearing this stuff around and going, we need to call them on it. This is just racism and sexism. It's the same thing you're complaining against. I think I know who the comic you're talking about was. Um white and male he is yeah yeah, yeah so like just they can I think be, gay puts can him be a different character. he's a nice guy as well he's, he's a good lad he's not, he's not someone yeah, I, I really like person against, but I think he's part of a way of thinking that I've accepted for ages and gone yeah okay white male's doing really well you're allowed to say things about white males but now I'm beginning to say actually no prejudice is prejudice full stop yeah it, it's right is it is it this is it getting more Intense, is it that now? I think it's become totally accepted to say certain types of things that it is it, clearly doing the thing you're complaining about. But because you're able to see people by whole groups of being more successful than you, yeah, you're allowed to criticise the group. But what I'm not talking about is the criticism itself or the behaviour. I'm talking about adding the psychology to it of why they are like that. You know, and it, it might be that the people in the lifeboats are being uh, selfish not letting other people into the lifeboat but if it then turns out that you then get into a lifeboat and behave in exactly the same way you know what I mean is whilst you're not in the <laughs> lifeboat 
you're free to say that they have a psychology that makes them behave like yeah, that yeah. because you're not in that position. That is interesting. Yeah, I'm just trying, I'm wondering whether I should bring up this uh, thing I discovered this uh, this week, the, the white men effect. Oh, yeah, talk about it. Yeah, um, I came across this in a really interesting way. Um, I was just I hadn't really looked at Twitter properly for a little while. I thought, oh, it's uh, past that. I'll, I'll look at Twitter, see what you know, see what it's like. And came across a, a tweet from uh, Caroline Criado Perez, who was saying. Um, have a look at this. You know, ne- next time you, a white man, tell a woman that she's got nothing to worry about or that she's worrying about nothing, fuck off <laughs> because of this. Something, something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. There was definitely fuck off. In because there. of this study. And I thought, well, I kind of had right. to look at this. Well, well it, it, This wasn't a study. This was a screenshot of uh, a page. So, sorry, a photograph of a page in a book that she was reading. And the book uh, quoted a study uh, by uh, James Flynn and two other psychologists about what they called the white men effect. Uh, and this was, um, I nearly remember the name of the book that she was uh, quoting, something Asaurus Rex. Gendersaurus Rex or something like oh, okay. that. Um, that I'm probably doing. I'm probably doing a massive disservice. I'm sorry, it's a much wittier title, but um, they they look at figures from a US. So it's an American national survey, and they break them down amongst uh, gender or sex lines uh, and amongst racial lines. Racial lines, as, as judged by the. Uh, US as well and it's about perception of risk uh, specifically environmental risk uh, in this case so the risk of something that happens to the whole environment how much you think that's a risk to you or to everyone else you know? okay. uh, so something like um, earthquakes or terrorism or, or like global warming climate change things like that flooding um, and they found that uh, as with so many things there's a bell curve right most people in the middle, most people to each side. Yeah, yeah, love bell curves. <laughs> I love yeah the distribution of a trait through the population. Do you know men like bell curves more than women? <laughs> uh, can you show me a graph? <laughs> I'll draw one for you. Um, and it's remarkable when you look at it when it's broken down amongst uh, sex and age because if if you if you choose to look at it and you look at uh, black men, white men. Black women, white women, Mexican men, Mexican women, and so forth. You find that there's a bunch of overlo- overlapping bell curves. Right. And then one that doesn't overlap with any of the others. And it's white men. Right? White men are sitting in a completely different part of the graph, and they reckon everything is fine compared with all the other curves. Right. So, so white right. men have a much lower instance uh, a, a much lower estimation of how risky these things are. Okay. And so, Carolyn Criado Perez is quoting someone else who's quoting this, and she says, Listen, fuck off. It's because you're white men here. You know. But I thought, A, that's such an interesting study. But B, what do you mean, fuck off? What if white men are right and everyone else is, thinks things are too risky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
who objectively knows how much risk there actually is with the the, the thing in question. Right, yeah. I'm just saying. But I, so Some it, people might have. Like, you, you, if it had been put the other way, of uh, people who have, uh, um, I don't know, too much fear, then that, that you'd get the same statistic when you people who are, are more afraid than others rather than people who are. You you, you would about these types of assessing risk. And there there are other interesting ones actually, but I mean, I, I, I meant that tongue in cheek, right? I just if, if we assume if a sort of wisdom of crowds way still, we assume it's still it's fair something. until you objectively know how much risk there actually is. Yes, so if there's some way of someone know. telling what the real risk is. Yeah, but it's, it's like, like we discussed this assessment. Who decides how disgusted you should actually be? True, but the the point um, kind of is risk to whom, right? And risk of what? Yeah, and be, because it's so specific, the authors of the original study reckoned that this is very likely due to social reasons rather than genetic reasons like why would specifically white men and no other group in you know of any other race and no other group of men you know have this really low uh, this really low estimation of risk and all right one of the things that they thought might be the case was that what you're really looking at is risk to your group because that, that is an effect that we know. That's a psychological effect. We know people, when they're judging how risks, risky something is to society or whatever, what they really mean is how risky is it to how I see my group in society. Uh, there are other studies that show that. But what's really interesting, once you start looking into this, is how people have gone, this is an amazing study. Let's look closer at the figures. Because it's a big, big meta-study of people who've been okay. asked loads of things. And it turns out, it's not white men... It's thirty percent of white men pull the whole curve completely out okay. from the other curves. Yeah. So there's the thirty percent of white men, specifically those who uh, who uh, are happy in very hierarchical structures and who are very individualistic. People who answer high for those metrics are <coughs> excuse me, who do, are do very that... very are very very low in how they perceive risk. And right. if you control for that. White men snap back to the others, right? But there's third. So really, thirty percent of white men are absolutely out on their fucking own. And if you, if all you see, going back to just judging us all by our group, yeah. If all you see is white men, then you think then her okay. tweet is justified. Yeah, but it's not justified. And this, what I mean, is going on an awful lot. Is uh, people seem to be losing sight of the individuality, even where there is a. Um, I don't know, an overall uh, characteristic to a group. It still doesn't apply to everyone no matter what, whether it's tallness, whether it's anything else. Um, well, well, that's the thing, of course. It, I mean, I know, I know this isn't what she meant whatsoever, but let's say I'm one of the 70% of white men who have a completely normal risk assessment, yeah. and I'm speaking to a woman who thinks the vampires are going to kill her if she leaves her house. <laughs> I don't think her fuck-off is justified. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, well, I'm only saying that because I'm a white male who wouldn't be afraid of that. Yeah. But of course I'm afraid because they're even whiter men. <laughs> Not all vampires are male. I'm sorry, that was sexist. I think often the judgment by group works solely because we don't see... Uh, if people have written above their head you know, all the statistics of what they actually are, how rich they are and everything else, um, it, it, would cause, it would make it obviously ridiculous. Like if if yeah, a, yeah. a woman, a tall woman, is in a room full of um, men and women and, uh, and let's say has seen the statistics where all the heights of all the men are added up and all the heights of all the women are added up. So the men are now, like, you know, 
a few thousand inches taller than the women and she would have stand there in front of them going it's not fair that you're that any man here is thousands of inches taller than me you know you go that's obviously nonsense because you can see they're not you can't do that yeah. with height but you can do that with, with misunderstanding wage difference you know you can do that with misunderstanding the other differences between sexes I, I saw a really great uh, demonstration of why you need to sample properly in statistics um, I, I found this uh, lovely uh, app that gives you courses and loads of things that you want. And one's a course in statistics. So I started doing that because, you know, I know how to party. Um, <laughs> and it goes, well, here's, here's what you need to make sure. You need to randomise your sample. It's just, and it's really, really elegantly done. And they show a, a picture, right, a painting, which they've divided into like 100 squares. And then they've just only shown you the squares at the right. And you just right. cannot see what it's a picture of. And then they've shown you, you know, they, they've, so they've shown you a third of all the squares. God, I mean, that's a big sample, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a third yeah. of the sample of a population. It's fucking yes. millions. But then it's still not enough to show you what that's a picture of. Whereas <laughs> if, you, if you pick a third of all the squares, but they're randomly selected throughout the picture, you can exactly see, oh, it's clearly the Laughing Cavalier or whatever it was. Oh, right, yeah. It was yeah, a yeah. very, yeah. very elegant. That's very nicely done. Yeah. It's an odd one, isn't it? Because the thirty percent of men is still quite a large percentage That's of men. A huge you know? number of men, um, and, and of white men. But it's still this is what we need to do is when we're talking about groups, at least if we can we can bring them down to subcategories. So we know what we're talking about, rather than make the mistake of saying therefore it's all. Very often we're talking about an elite group, and we're still seeing that as being the whole group. You know, if you talk about patriarchy, are, are you really talking about? You know, I saw a picture recently of miners about to go down the mine, all layered up, all filthy yeah, faces. Yeah, yeah. uh, Cramped and so on again, and someone put underneath it the patriarchy, <laughs> which is quite funny in its irony. But that's really funny. Um, it's weird that it only takes a couple of letters added to minors to make minstrels. <laughs> <laughs> they look so similar, and yeah, it's not that weird, Nick. <laughs> I don't know. I, I bet you could get just the right people to object to a picture of minors coming, like Welsh miners Probably. coming out of the mine in the nineteen seventies, as just you know, un unacceptably blacking up. <laughs> it does. It does seem as like that. There's all right. There's thirty percent of white men in America who have this weirdly low perception of risk. Yeah. So low that if if you even look at all the white men, the average is pulled completely out yeah. of the other curves. Also, we don't know whether there's other things mixed into that, including bravado. You know, some people might convince themselves they're not as afraid of something. Um, or you know, that might be a male trait as well. They might, but that's that that wouldn't explain the racial element. unless you think there's something, unless you think there's a. It might do. Might that might be cultural as well? I mean, just as an extra fact, it might it might be cultural. I kind of take their point that it's so specific; it looks like it would have to be. Also, it might be cultural American rather than just white male. You might get a different result doing it over here because white. Don't forget, America is very much that kind of cowboy male attitude as well. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Particularly in parts, and you know, not 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 uh, admit or show weakness or failure. Yes, and I think it is worth if you're going to say this is a this is a sociological effect. You need uh, slightly. I don't mean to be mean to Caroline Corina Perez. But if you are doing that, don't say fuck off to your largely British followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. It, you know, if you say it's sociological, this is a different society. Yes. You know, I'm sure yeah. that there's all the same stuff about guns, but it just doesn't apply here. Do you know what? I find all these studies interesting. It's, all I'm objecting to is the 
uninformed conclusions people take from them that, that yeah, fit yeah. their tribal mentality. And I go, and that's where we originally started with this podcast: is going, just don't feel a part of this. Don't feel a part. I don't think that all women are a thing. I don't think that all black people are a thing. I don't think they all have a mindset. Well, and, and also, I don't, I don't really want to just like go, yes, but to yeah. someone putting a feminist point of view, even even if she's putting it in kind of a rude and loathsome way. It's more that that is a fascinating study and we shall look at it, yeah. but not necessarily look at it only so that it backs up the conclusions we came to the table with. Yes, yeah. That's, that's sort of the problem for me. And also they only mean much when, when a whole load of evidence is pointing the same way and then you can yeah. start reading something from it. And it, very often people seem to say one study and go, well, that's proven now. My point is correct. Yeah. Nate Silver said on Twitter the other day, uh, maybe it's just me on this one, or maybe it's just the way I'm wise and all that. But um, you know, I think uh, the cherry picking evidence is as bad as falsifying evidence. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I good. kind of agree with him. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. I think if if yeah. you are smart enough to know that you could pick more evidence and perhaps the effect that you're claiming would go away, you are not. It is not okay for you to claim the effect. There was a study done uh, a while ago by some gender studies group and uh, and it was showing that men's magazines uh, have the same phrases as used by rapists, right? Whoa. So uh, um, so they took, I don't know what the phrases were, I can't remember the full study, but it, it, at the time it was being retweeted and I was going, this is really frightening, you know, men using the same sentences that rapists use, but actually a lot of them were, some of them were, were being used in the magazine, some went through it eventually went to show how cherry-picked it was because some of those sentences were being used in an ironic way anyway. Uh, some of them were part of stories. Okay. Some of them were just things that generally you'd say during sex that both you could say. Someone put up another one recently, which was which was really quite lovely, showing how it, it had, um, like, uh, um, bank robbers say, get on the floor. Bank robbers say, put your hands up. So do, <laughs> so do DJs. <laughs> yoga, yoga instructors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yoga, yoga monthly robbed me. It's <laughs> hilarious. Ah, that's funny. I'm just, but also, loads of, loads of magazines aimed just at women have stuff about rape on the front. Like these take a break things. They, why is there, there... I mean, there is an abuse story... In big letters on the front, is there, all the time. Right. Just when um, there's uh, this is very funny. This is um, uh, Dave Gorman told me a particular one. We found. Yeah, it's the second time you mentioned Dave I, Gorman I, in I, one yeah, podcast now. If this is going to happen a lot, right? We start being on tour, and suddenly there's like one human being that you see for like many hours. But a day. by the way, Nick's touring with Dave Gorman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick's a friend of Dave Gorman. <clears throat> this is the. This is the. Uh, this is from the last tour. We were in a... Uh, in Nick a, has toured with Dave Gorman before. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is always touring with Dave Gorman. Nick and well, Dave anyways, Gorman in a tree. I'm not telling you now. <laughs> yes, um, it was take a break. It was some horrific thing about... Uh, I was raped by my uh, by my granddad dressed as Santa or something. And it's like, Christmas special. This <laughs> <laughs> was all the stories. It's got to theme these stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this stuff is just full of horrific shit at the front. We need a Christmas rape story for this edition. Uh, Dave told me he's seen one once, one of these stories, and the story was, um, uh, he dumped me and left me, and I have no arms and no legs, 
and the, and the magazine was called Pick Me Up. <laughs> uh, that's horribly cynical, though, isn't it? Jane. Themed stories. Of, uh, yeah, oh, it's the worst. Of, yeah, sexual misconduct. Ah, that feels like a nice... Uh... It's Valentine's. Let's find a nice Valentine's rape story to put on the front cover. <laughs> No, that's, were you about to say a nice point to stop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was ruined that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but let's just slightly over talk. <laughs> just why not? Yeah, I think let's not let's not to end in a natural way. Let's just uh, peter out as we've never learned to do. Have <laughs> I done a joke before? But I, I want to meet the person that petering out was named after. Or is there some bloke called Peter who's all right at first? <laughs> uh, what his surname's out, Peter. <laughs> Let's just keep doing weaker and weaker Peter, jokes. Peter and <laughs> What's your name, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Peter? <laughs> I wonder how many times we keep this one going until the end. It's just called Peter. He's moving away from you. Um, right. Uh, what's, what's, your, how long are you touring for now? Until February. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's a nice one. Who are you touring with? remember now I'm always on first so I never get to see I'd go home <laughs> fuck them <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, don't busy myself with that sort of detail <laughs> um, yeah so let's wind up anyway we're, we're, we're back we we're are back. back out on the first of all and um, if you have any suggestions for guests we're going to get occasional guests on from now on yeah so I think so and in particular if there's anyone that you think we should or that you would love us to uh that you would love us to interview please do let us know or you can enter our be a guest on our podcast competition <laughs> oh we should absolutely do that yeah we should do um, we'll I'm, I'm going to tell you on the next occasion. we now have our own yes citizens of nowhere pod at gmail.com you can actually email us directly it's citizens of nowhere pod at gmail.com and if you want to give us money please do don't people always say that on podcasts? Yeah, provided you know, do they? I think so. You got to get that bit. Don't yeah, you? they do either that. Either at the beginning they go, "Please, it costs a lot of money to make this podcast. Please give us money." Or halfway through they t- start telling you about how great these mattresses are. <laughs> 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 we don't do either of those things yet. <laughs> yet, but we will be. Yeah, eventually we will. Uh, yes. Actually, for money to buy mattresses, so we can tell you how great the mattresses are. Sponsor us with anything. Yeah. Sex products, services. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. This has been Nick Doody and Kerry Marks. See ya. Thank you. Bye.